actually know like the title for this. <laughs> this is In the Hall of the Mountain King. Oh. For some reason Bald Mountain was in my head. Oh, this this particular cover, you know, you'll never get it. I'll, t- I'll tell you who it's by and see if you can guess what movie it's from. Oh, okay. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Oh. Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Right. Yeah. I, I loved this movie when it came out. I. Don't. It's a movie about something that is more ubiquitous and in our lives probably than most products in the unit in the world. I don't know. Wow. What a. The Social Network. The Social Network? Okay, remember that movie about Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, this is from that. They, This is the song they play when he's at Harvard, and like he's uploading all the uh-huh. pictures to create like the very first generic Facebook thing. Yeah, the Facebook. At like, yeah, just for hit, like not with a vision for Facebook, just. So there's a sound on TikTok right now. Uh-huh. Well, it's been on TikTok a while, I think. Um, but it's like this... It's this melody. Yeah. And the sound is like, look, here is a consequence, consequence, consequence. Look, here are the consequences of my actions now or something like that. It's just really funny. Um, speaking of TikTok, uh-huh. I'm actually not on TikTok much. Um, I do reels. I, get, I should say I drift into reels. I don't ever set out to look at reels. Right. Yeah. But like I would say over half of them right now are either people... Um, playing red light green light from that squid game oh yeah or it's people cutting out those shapes from the candy pieces from squid game yes you've probably seen that they have like a pin and there's a lot of squid game content yeah it's crazy how one show can control half of like the social media content in the world right now yeah so taylor guess what what i guess i'm excited about what sunday yeah is Halloween this coming well, Sunday. At my house, we're doing Jesus Ween. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we are. No. We're doing Jesus Ween. No. That's we what. have to name it something else. No, Jesus, it's called, I'm going with Jesus. Jesus Ween, Ween is weird. Did you no. call that lady and like? No. You learn any more about? We're Jesus. going with Jesus Ween though. Okay. Roy and Lily are having people over, and I'm going to tell them welcome to our Jesus Ween party. Oh my gosh. Here in Colcord. You're. Maybe I'll dress up like Jesus. I feel like you're. Oh my gosh. I feel like you're such a dad. Why? Because that is like exactly what every dad does is say embarrassing things to their like teenage kids' friends. You know what's weird? I do do that. I had no idea (laughs) how much fun that was. (laughs) Like I I was always on the other side just like, why are they doing that? Yeah. And it's, it's because there's a particular joy to be had in like you, me, having zero social capital or care yeah about the outcome of anything and yeah. my kids being embarrassed by it and it's just so funny do, so and do funny. they get embarrassed or are they like that's roy doesn't roy leans right into it he right. could care less yeah he like he's kind of an old soul that will go with the joke lillian thinks i'm embarrassing for sure right like if i dance at walmart or something like start moving my shoulders like dad stop it she well she's younger in how female. many like two years a year and a half year and some change I think um, a lot of it's Roy's personality. He just does not care. Yeah. Um, and Mabel takes her cues from Lillian. Excuse me. So she gets embarrassed because Lillian's embarrassed. Oh. Wendell thinks it's funny still. Yeah. But yeah. He'll, he'll become self-conscious eventually. Yeah. He, I think, 
There's a chance he ends up being the one like most embarrassed by it. Could be. I think he's got some strong three blood in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Jesus Ween is happening at our house. On so Sunday. you guys are doing like Halloween on Cold Court and have the kids are having well, people over? Here's the thing. We just are kind of, we're the house for Halloween because of our location. Okay. So all of Roy's friends, Fab Five. Okay. And then um, Lillian just, I don't know who she's inviting. She always <laughs> has new friends. Yeah. She has like a lot of friends. I feel like that, like being a preteen girl, it was like every three weeks it was somebody different that you were like besties with. That is definitely her life. Yeah. Um, well, Taylor. Yeah. Um, I would like to give another shout out to Bear Mountain, who's our sponsor last week. Woohoo! Because whoever runs their social media um, likes our stuff. Oh, yay. So I appreciate it. They're the only sponsor who's ever acknowledged <laughs> Our gratitude for sponsoring them. Which is so weird. Call Cat Reynolds. What? <laughs> what are we doing? I want to see who does their social media. I hmm. think it might be her. No. Hmm. Let's just just give me a second to look this up. Like they liked um the post from last week? Yeah. Which I just really appreciated. Yeah, very kind. We appreciate our sponsors. What's... I think we're going to be making several calls today, listeners, just so you know. Yeah, it's going to be a good day for you guys. (laughs) Well, why won't she answer her phone? Maybe she's at work. Maybe she's working, yes. Also, I am pretty sure she does their social media. Oh, okay. She's in a meeting. She's calling me back in a bit. Yeah. We'll wait for that call. Okay. But thanks for Bear Mountain for acknowledging us. Yes, we appreciate it. Well, Taylor. Josh. Have you been following this Alec Baldwin story? Okay. It is awful. Yeah. It is just awful. It is so sad and so insane. And there's so many twists and turns. Yeah. And I just don't know. Well, I think the axe is coming for somebody. I think I've learned. Excuse me. I'm tired today. The person who's a... who does weaponry for a movie is called the armorer armorer yeah and this armorer is in hot water no they didn't have an armorer oh they didn't not like an official person I well heard. that here's my question why would you have any guns with real bullets anywhere near a set i guess because of it looks better or cooler or whatever but that's like well that's not kind of a stupid really it answer. looks better apparently yeah well that's just too risky that's how i feel I'm with you. Josh is incensed, everyone. Well, I'm just like, how do you make that mistake? Yeah. Well, and somebody like yelled cold gun. What well, is what I heard. Somebody yelled cold gun and then handed it to Alec Baldwin, which is like what you say when it's like definitely there's no bullets or anything in it. Yeah. Well, then here is my question. Why is Alec Baldwin aiming a gun at the director and the cinematographer? Um, it, I... I seem to understand that it was the type of thing where it was like he's sort of like looking into the camera or towards the camera and they're like right behind the camera. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. That's why they say don't point a gun at people ever. Yeah. Um, you always, if even if I seem to understand if you're holding a gun, you're always supposed to be pointing it down or whatever. And I would be freaking out. I mean, I would feel horrible. I shot somebody. But I just, me, I would feel like, wait a minute, I just had a gun with real bullets in it? Yeah. That would have been, um, I'm kind of, what do you call that, schemish? What's that word? 
Skittish? Skittish. Skittish around guns. Squeamish and skittish. skittish. Squeamish is more like, you know. Uh, woozy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, here's... Uh, I remember after Kyle Lake died, mm-hmm. I, like, buildings and especially baptismals have a certain kind of presence. Yeah. I have, like, an inbuilt fear now. Yeah. And I just imagine, like, for people being on the set now or being on a set with guns forever. Yeah. No matter what kind. It would be such a psychological hurdle for me. Well, I saw I saw a big thread from a guy who is a professional armorer, and he is tar- he was talking about how like um, comfortability, like so everyone feeling comfortable with the guns, is part of like gun safety because people who don't feel comfortable, like you know anyone who feels like kind You're of not going to handle it properly. Yeah, yeah, they're going to make a mistake because you get kind of. Yeah. erratic if you feel if you don't feel safe and um so he was talking about how that is like actually part of the job already i mean he kind of said like it seems that they cannot have been using any of the like proper sort of handling techniques yeah and this happened you know like right. it just is really um it seems like someone was doing a really poor job. Yeah, and I mean, it's not the time to blame people. No, 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 but, no. But um, it's just so tor- terrible. I, mean, I saw that Alec Baldwin was with the husband of the lady that died, so I'm assuming there's okay some kind of understanding there already. Okay. That he didn't try to murder her. Yeah. So, wow. Well, hey, this is 180 degrees the other way, but this is what I do in this part of the show. Okay. So, um, after church, mm-hmm. reenacted a routine that we haven't since pre-pandemic. Who? Me and my family. Oh. We went to lunch. Oh, yeah. Where'd you go? We went to Shorty's. We were outside watching the game. Love it. My mom took us, treated us all. Um, but can I tell you what I love about Shorty's? Absolutely. And if there is any... Is it the pitchers of beer? No. I don't oh. drink during the day. Um, oh, you don't drink during no, the day? No, I can't drink before 5 o'clock. I'll never get a lunch beer or lunch alcohol. Um, um, okay, that's interesting. I would like to come back to that. Yeah, we can. Um, but um, note to every restaurant owner in the universe. Mm-hmm. Put a soda fountain that I can refill my own cup with somewhere accessible. Yeah. It'll save you your server's time. It'll save everybody. And it's going to make me more happy. Yeah. There's no need to have somebody's job be to go get me refills on soda. No. I'll get my own refills. Yeah. Gladly. <laughs> yeah, of that, course. That's a restaurant 101 right there. Do they Have they moved one outside? There's one like off to the left. It, it's like an area that like goes into the kitchen area, I think. It's uh-huh. definitely in a spot where you would think not for customers. Uh-huh. But they're just like, go for it. Go for I don't it. know if it's a health code violation, but I love it so much. Yeah. Because you get your own ice too, which I'm sure that's a health code violation. But um, does it come out of the little thing? No. Oh, I see. <laughs> Maybe. I, well, let me check here. For some, this is in my. They head. have no. They have a like. A you get your own soda thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I just that should be standard, and I don't care what you. I don't care if you're a five star Michelin restaurant. You know what I? You know where has like recently reconfigured their. Um, like they used to be like a waitress driven place. And now it's like a get your own type thing. They bring you order, but they bring the food to your table. Okay. Um, is clay pot, and so now they have a like soda dispenser. Thank thing. gosh. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. 
I am um, very big. I, I want minimal server activity. Okay. I don't want to tip anybody. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I want to go and buy the food at a certain price. And if you need to build in a higher price, this is actually a talking point of something else, I think. Build in a higher price and let me decide if I want to pay that. Okay. Don't let me buy food, have a server bring me my order, and then put the pressure on me to tip. Sure. Like, I hate the tip line. What am I tipping for? <laughs> I don't, yeah. I'll give somebody two tips. Tips on tips. Tips on tips. If you go to um, the Greek place down the street. Uh-huh. D's. The, the guy, if you do a pickup order, even if you don't, if you're just ordering something, he hits no tip for you and then he turns the screen around. Yeah. That's always nice. But that must mean that they are serving, like their servers are, or their people are making not like server wages. Yeah. And then they call you up and you get your food. Yeah. Which I love it. I'll go get my food. Right, yeah. And again, if you need more money, charge more money for the food and let me decide if I want to spend it. Yeah. Don't charge me whatever and then let me put the pressure on to make me tip. Yeah. When nobody's serving you technically. Yeah. What? But you pay the tip if you have a waitress. Or oh, yeah. Waitress. If it's okay. a sit down. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But that that's just expectations are built in. Uh-huh. But I'm talking, they, they take my order, they bring me food, they're doing several refills. Right. That's a tipping experience. Right. Uh, a not tipping experience is it's a fast foodish place and somebody brings me my food when it's ready. Right. Like, don't bring me the food then if I have to pay you more money. Just set You're it like, on the I'll go get it. I'll go get it. I'll Save go- myself three bucks or five or ten. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I get it. Makes sense. What was the other thing? Well, I just really like the soda machines. You were going to challenge me in day drinking, though. You were like, I don't no, I would don't want to challenge you. I I don't drink very much at all. Yeah. Although last week I went to like I went out like three times. Wild woman. But I get like one. It's like one beverage. I'm not I just, like partying all night. Yeah. It's, so my question is: Is this a moral ethical thing, or is this like your body is like? Oh, it's no my thing. body. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Nothing okay. moral ethical about it. Um, although I will say, like, because I think emotional habits are developed. Sure. I gladly am not developing an emotional day drinking habit. Right. Because I don't want to be drinking any more than I drink. Yeah. But I've actually done really good lately. I've um, not felt that desire to drink in the evenings, which is great. That is great. I've noticed my body responds better if I've not had alcohol. Really? Yeah. My joints. Do you want to know a funny thing? What? Um... On Sunday morning, <laughs> on Sunday morning, multiple people were like, um, you know, just in passing, kind of like, I stayed up too late and I am hungover, but here I am. And I just was like, I love this place. Like, the people just are like, you know, like, just I'm he- owning it and honest about e- it. Here I am. I stayed up too late. I drank too much alcohol. Well, and- I think that those Baylor football games get people. Although there was not a game. There wasn't a game, yeah. Okay. I, I think it was like the lack of a game. People were like... I don't have an excuse for them. I don't know. Well, they don't need an excuse. Okay. I love it. Do you think it's not wrong to be drunk? Um, I think there's something about like drunkenness and like having a sober mind uh, that is like not exclusively related to like one night of drinking alcohol. Do you know okay. what I'm saying? Sure. What about you? Well, do you say, should I drunk. not tell you who those people are so you don't judge no, them? No, I mean, you know, it'd be kind of a pot calling the kettle black, as the saying goes. <laughs> sure. I have consumed too many alcoholic drinks in my life. 
Sure. I always, I guess I've imagined that the Bible is talking about a lifestyle and something that destroys your ability to have meaningful relationships. Yes. And, That's how I feel as well. But, you know, social lubricant. I mean, those, those uh, weddings would last days and days, those Jewish weddings. Jesus yeah. Turn the best, route the best wine in the end. Uh-huh. Vats of All wine. Of that. All I'm of I'm talking it. about like purity jars for baptisms amounts of wine. <laughs> yeah. Water. So... So, yeah. I think as a euphoric, inducing, enjoy your company experience occasionally. Right. So, all right. Hey, um, okay. Okay. Well, guess what? What? Speaking of economics of food, uh-huh. did you see that Lula James is shutting it down? Okay. Yes, Kathleen just told me that. So, I That's read the, so the trip sad. article. And um, this is a... This is a ethical conundrum I want us to speak to. Okay. 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 So in the article, uh-huh. Nancy Grayson says, yeah, we're shutting down. We've been um, working with five staff. Mm-hmm. We need 12 to run this place. We've been doing it for months now. She's been working seven days a week. Uh-huh. Like we can't do it anymore. Which is just really a, tra- a tragic reason yeah. to shut a place down. But there's a labor shortage and it's not getting yeah. solved. Right? Right. So... Um, she says in the thing, like, we pay people between 8 to $12 an hour. Um, and, like, so I'm like, I read that. I'm like, well, the wages are what their wages. McDonald's yeah. paying 15 But she goes on to say, because of where we are in our mission, I'm not going to charge $5 for a scone. I'm going to charge 2 to 2 because that's what's good for this neighborhood. Sure. And that's what I want to do. So I'm like, okay, that she's owning it, right? Like she has a, she, and she says, we could charge $5 for a scone. I could probably pay my workers more, maybe attract more workers, but I'm not going to do that. Right. So it was just this interesting, one, economics 101, mm-hmm. um, where you had a direct relationship between what people want as a livable wage mm-hmm. and the cost that, that, how that's paid for. Right. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> so, wow. Um... I don't know. I think I'm bad at these questions as like ethical dilemmas uh, because it is my present focusedness. Like I'm just kind of like, well, it's what it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But um, I do think there's also something to be said about like, who are you? Who are you hiring, right? Are you helping someone if you are paying 8 to $12 an hour? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And, I mean, can you imagine five people and you are really need 12? Oh, it would be miserable. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. like four of us full time and I always am like, how are we doing this? Like every Sunday, I'm like, how do we make this happen? Do you know what I mean? Like, so I can't even imagine. Um, and I don't know. I think mostly I just get struck with the reality of like, I don't, maybe there's another way to think about it. Um, maybe there's some creative like financial stuff that could be done. But at the end of the day, it mostly seems like, we are living under capitalism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And capitalism is going to say, 
um, yeah, that you have to do one of the things that you have to either. Is there another economic system that would provide a different solution? Uh, yeah, certainly. Right. I think there are other systems in which you might be able to. I thought about this. So she could keep her prices what they are. Uh-huh. If we subsidize worker pay with federal money or state money. Right. Yeah. But then I'm like, well, then it's just like I'm paying taxes to buy cheaper cookies. Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that. Right. From like, yeah, to buy a cookie there at a cheaper cost. Yeah. Whereas you're like, what if she just charged more? But I do think this is a dilemma in general about like financial systems. Yeah. Is like, which one is it important? But like, is there something to be said about having Lula Janes in particular about local um, restaurants and local spaces? Well, and she's interesting because, you know, she, she's an eight. My, my wife worked for her. Uh-huh. She was at Rappaport. Mm-hmm. She was really one of the first to move to East Waco from the other side of the river, so to speak. Right. Right. Did mm-hmm. a school, then opened up Lola Jane's. Um, and to her credit, I think East Waco has a largely different yeah. perception. Right. I'm being careful here because I think East Waco had a reputation that was unfair before. Right. So it's not like she was a savior figure, but she, um, for lack of better uh, way to say it, eased white minds. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And um, so... There's that. Um, she's a go-getter. But it's just funny to me. She's like, no, I'm not going to charge $5 a scone. We're just going to shut this down. <laughs> well, I think that's a very eight energy, though. Oh, yeah. Like, she's like, yeah. I've decided. And this is, I think this is part of it, right? She's like, I've decided what our goals are and what our ideals are. And I'm not going to do that. Right. And so, like, I'm going to go. We're going to shut it all down. Yeah. Which is, like, I think very eight. Right. Whereas, like, for three, it would be like, we are going to find a way to make this work. Right. We'll rebrand. We'll talk about the value of the $5 go, and we'll do something. Yeah, we'll do something. We'll pay workers more. We'll evolve with the thing. Yeah. But we might lose the value in the process. Right. And they're like, that's fine. Yeah. And an eight is like, we're just never going to do that. She also, in that article, she's building right behind Lula Jane's, her and her husband. She's going to retire there. Oh. She loves East Waco. I love that. Yeah. You got to give her credit for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, thanks for participating. Of course. I just thought it was such a direct, simple look at the economic realities of the situation we're in. Yeah. And just the choices people have. And it's not like, I mean, you know, it's like, I don't know. I can't think of a business, but like, you know, Home Depot is like, we don't have enough workers. And it's like, well, you're paying everybody crap. Yeah. You could raise your wages. And you could. But then it's like, you think of, there are places where it's like, it. It's, you know, you see the effect more closely. Yeah. Um, so. Taylor, you know what I'm reading right now that I'm not loving at all? <gasps> what? Divine Dance by Richard Rohr. Oh, uh, yeah. It's so weird. Brett, Brett and Dana gave it to me after I preached at their wedding. It's that old? Yeah. It had just come out. Okay. Because I think I remember Brett giving it to me and being like, turns out this might be heretical, so... Well, sorry, I have not gotten to the heretical stuff yet, but it also could be. I think one of the reasons I'm bored is because I've lived with these notions of Trinity for so long mm-hmm. and have gleaned his ideas of other areas. Mm-hmm. Nothing feels new. Right. It doesn't sound humble at all, but I mean, I just I hang no. around Richard Rohr a lot. I feel so. I mean, his ideas. Input. Yeah. So it doesn't. 
uh, like the Rublev painting is powerful. Uh-huh. But I'm like, done that. Have the icon in my office. Done that. Um, the circle dance perichoresis. Yeah. Knew all that. Uh-huh. So. Into it. Into yeah. it. Sold. So, yeah, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already sold. We'll see. I'm about not quite halfway through. We'll see if it turns around. Hey, did you know that Princess Mako in Japan left the royal family to marry a commoner and lost her royal status? No. If I'm being honest, I did not know they had a royal family in I Japan. Didn't either. I think it's probably like the British monarchy to a lesser extent. But she did lose her status, and I guess it was a big debate in Japan whether she should do it. It's going to be a movie, I'm sure. You can't marry a commoner? No, you can't marry Kate of Sussex or whatever her name is. Yeah. And be okay with it. That so. seems intense. Who's she supposed to marry? I don't know. The article also talked about some lingering patriarchal values that exist in Japan. Interesting. So, like for show, I guess. Right. But still. I just feel like Japan always seems so lovely to me. <laughs> I, I want to go to that cherry blossom festival thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have anything for me? Yeah, I do. Okay. First of all, have you heard or like have you been keeping up with this like um, John Mulaney, Olivia Munn thing? <laughs> you brought this up before. I love your commitment to John Mulaney. Mulaney. Yeah. I have? Yeah, you, we've talked about it already this season. What did we talk about? Um, I asked about the details of his mental health stuff and the pregnancy and not pregnancy and not wanting to be pregnant and now pregnant and she's pregnant, right? Something. Mm-hmm. And his previous wife said he didn't want to have kids or I don't know. Yeah, I brought that up though. Yeah. Um, okay, I believe you. Um, at this point, I think I'm, uh, I feel very over John Mulaney and Olivia Mund. Like, I just am, it's so much. And also, apparently, they broke up last week. Okay. And it just is like, um, uh, one of my tweets I like this week said, at this point, everything I learned about John Mulaney and Olivia Munn, I learned against my will. And that's how I feel. People just, like, people keep reporting on it. And I'm like, I don't. Let them live their lives. Also, apparently, Olivia Munn has, like, a history of not getting pregnant, but of cheating on people with their husbands. Oh, really? Cheating on people. How should I say that? That feels wrong. Yeah. I didn't know that about her. Well, I didn't either, but apparently it happened with Casey Musgraves and her husband, too. I just moved very far away from the microphone. So, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess she could just kind of tell him you're done. Tell who you're done. Olivia Munn and... John Mulaney? Yeah. Yeah. Not give him your attention anymore. Well, they're not married. She's just pregnant. Um, well, Taylor. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't have much feedback for you on that one. It's okay. Um, you know what I saw this week? What? You do know what I saw. Oh, yeah, I do know what you saw. Tell us all. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I saw it come from away. We haven't talked about this at all, just so you guys know, except to acknowledge that Josh has seen, or that Josh saw that, and that I've already seen it, too. So It's an off-Broadway production that I saw at the Bass Musical Hall. It was on Broadway, though. Yeah, it was on Broadway. The director won Best Director in the Tonys. Yeah. For musical category. 
Um, I guess that's probably the only Broadway category, right? They're all musicals. For musicals? Yeah. Do you non-musicals go on Broadway? Do non-musical, like um, straight shows? Is that what you call those? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, they go on Broadway. Okay. Well, yeah. So that director won best. Anyways, Taylor, you know I'm emotionally repressed. I do. There were two points where I had some tears. <gasps> Are you being like, serious? I didn't cry them. But well, but when was the last they, time? They welled and yeah. they leaked out. When was the... Okay. Some would call that crying them, but okay. Well, I didn't commit though. I could have committed. Okay. <laughs> when uh, was the last time that happened to you? Um, I don't know. Maybe when my dad died or something. Okay. Okay. Wow. So... So you had a strong emotional reaction to this show. Yeah. There were several times where I'm like this. I think this is what I th- So in Divine Dance. Okay. Um, Richard Rohr talks about, he's very careful because this is like, a, he's not qualified, but he says, I wonder how many mentally ill people are not caused, he's careful to say that, but are triggered, like they're things induced by loneliness. Mm. And I think coming out of the pandemic, loneliness is such a... yeah pandemic uh-huh. uh, for lack of a better phrase and um i think that that show that story mm-hmm. is about the best of humanity so listeners yeah. if you don't know a true story on 9-11 yeah 38 planes were rerouted to gander newfoundland. newfoundland it's like this town in the northeast part of the island which is the northeast part of canada itself and they have was- like a giant airport because it used to be that when you flew across the Atlantic Ocean, you had to stop there okay. and like fuel up. Well, but, and they did say, I read today, that a lot of the streets there are named after famous aviators. Hmm. Like Amelia Earhart and yeah. Lindale, is that his name? Charles Lindbergh, Lindbergh, whatever. Lindbergh, yeah. But, um, so this is like a thing in the town. Yeah. But man, this town of 9,000 people yeah. hosted... 7,000 people for like five days after 9-11 that couldn't get out. Yeah, because they couldn't, the border, the American borders weren't open. So they couldn't get, like the airspace yes. was also not open. So they couldn't get into, well, anywhere. A bunch of them were from other places, but they couldn't get into the United States to get to their like initial destinations. But it's very sweet and the whole thing's very moving. I'll tell you, you know a part that makes me... That made me surprisingly emotional. What? Um. Oh my gosh, I'm already crying. I know. I get I get choked up thinking about it. Yeah. Was um, there were people from all over the world, and so one uh, there was a large group of people from uh, I they say specifically, but somewhere in Africa, and nobody on the Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. Okay, but nobody on the island could speak, or nobody in Gander could, like, speak their language. Oh, yeah, no, okay, I remember what you're talking about now. And, um, so then... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they're all very scared, and they get taken to, uh... It's not funny that they're scared, obviously, but they're all very scared, um, and they get taken to the Salvation Army. And they all have on like their, I guess I didn't know this about Salvation Army, but they, uniforms. they have like <laughs> uniforms. <laughs> and they're like, 
so excited <laughs> to welcome these people. And, um, you know, it's like uh, one of the men towards the front of the bus where they're like, they're like, get off the bus. And this guy's kind of like, <laughs> no, <laughs> there's like white people and like soldier uniforms. We're not yeah. going to get off the bus. Yeah. And so then the way they communicate with each other is like, he was like the, the guy who, the Salvation Army guy was like, I saw they had a Bible. And so, um, I, you know, I, I looked up a verse and it says it was, um, Philippians four, six, Philippians four, six. And, um, um, you know, about not having fear, do not be afraid, blah, blah, blah. And, um, they and he was like that's how we started talking to each other and i just thought that was really nice yeah because the guy even though he didn't speak his language knew the chapters in the books were the same yeah and so he knew what flipping four six would say in his language even though he couldn't read it yeah it was very powerful there was several that's moments like very talking. meaningful right yeah um okay i want to try and call canada I don't know if this is going to work on my phone because I don't know if I have an international plan. Okay. We're going to try the, the Gander Town Hall. Okay. Josh is calling the Gander Town Hall. So it's cool. Welcome to the town of Gander. To help us serve you better, please choose from the following menu. Gander Fire, rest, press 1. Police and Animal Control, press 2. Water, sewer, and snow clearing, press 3. Taxation, press 4. Finance and Administration, Five. Engineering and permitting, press six. There's a little story about a vet, though. Center, press seven. Economic development, mayor, council, and CAO, press eight. For garbage collection or central waste management, press nine. To repeat this menu, please press zero. I want to talk to a representative. One of them was about, like, the mayor or something. Yeah, I don't know. That I don't know I want to talk to him. Okay. I don't want to Water, do the police. No. Should I try the recreation five. people? Engineering sure. I think they're going to think this is insane. Good afternoon, uh, Yes, ma'am. Um, real random uh, phone call. Uh, so I went to the Broadway production this week of Come From Away. You ever heard of that? Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah. So everybody in your town just seems real nice. And I called your town hall here, yeah. and you're in the recreation department. Can you just talk, tell me about Gander for a minute? Yeah, well, I tell you, who, were you talking to anybody at the town hall? Well, I tried town hall, but they gave me a list of choices, and you were recreation, so I oh, thought okay. they're probably nice. Um, yeah. We're great. We're actually in the building where uh, we house all the food and everything during the night. Have you seen the musical? Well, they came here and did a, a kind of a scaled down version for our community right at the beginning. Yeah, so we did see it. Now it's not. I'm sure it's not the full scale like with all the props that they had that they have on Broadway. But I'm dying to go and see it. Oh see gosh, it. is but everybody really that nice there in Gander? I think we are. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do think we are. Um, but I do, I tell you, we're getting calls like yours every day from people that see the musical and stuff. And well, it's real inspiring. Tourism director. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so if you'd like to speak to Brian, he's our tourism officer here with Tammy well, there. Can you just keep... Kind of keep blogs and everything. Can you just keep talking to me? <laughs> can I keep talking to you? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, do you know any of the people that are in the play? Like who, who uh, well, they represent? Different plays and different, there's different plays and different casts and stuff. Like, I know, yeah, I know who they represent. Yes. Like, yeah, do you like know those God. real actual live people? Yes, yeah, they're all live people, yeah. The people wow. The play, they're ones that were here. Were you there in 2011? Or it's 2001? because I was in Gander. I had just moved here in 1999, and I was working with the town, but only part-time. And so, okay. I wasn't here at the time, but I did help out up at the airport and everything. Okay. That happened. Now, if somebody wants to join the town of Gander, do they really kiss a codfish on the mouth? <laughs> that's become a, that's when you become an honorary Newfoundlander. Okay. Yeah, so we so they do that. There's a little less ceremonies that we hold, and yeah, they do kiss a cod on the mouth. Well, that that's wild. Uh, I bet you all have some yeah. good good fish fries up there. <laughs> we do. Where are you calling from? Texas. Texas. Yeah, I just saw it in Texas. Fort Worth at the musical hall. I was very moved by it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great play and great reputation of what actually happened here. Now, on that time, could a random guy just move to Gander? Are they taking new people, or is it kind of closed up to uh, Americans? <laughs> no, sure, we're always open. Because <laughs> I got I got six yeah. kids. I think we'd really do well there in the Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah, yes, come on, love to have you. Now, um, they had a in the show they had a cookout. Is that kind of a common thing where just everybody gets together for a cookout? Yeah, it is. Like people have calves cookouts in their sheds and things and like I own a cabin so we have cookouts at the cabin all the time with anybody that's around and things. So so yeah, I mean I don't have them at my house every single day or anything, but you just invite your friends over and have a cookout or I guess like you can just take people's grills right off of their lawn in Canada and they don't even get mad. <laughs> I don't know about all of Canada. I don't know if you could just go over and take my grill or not. But, you know, during that time of when that happened, people never had, did not mind that happening and stuff. Right? Wow. Everybody knew what was happening. And, I mean, we gave up, citizens gave up everything. I mean, I brought up my strollers for my kids and left them at the airport for anybody that was there needed a kid. You know, wow. And stroller and, now, did, yeah, you, did yeah, you lose but, your stuff or did you get it all back? No, we didn't get it back. Oh, wow. But you were just no, okay with it. Sure. Wow. Yeah, but I think anybody in Newfoundland would be. I think maybe yeah, Americans need to take some lessons from Newfoundland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I must say. We were, everybody was really glad to be able to host. Well, Not golly gee. Long. It made it made a guy really want to move up there. Um, and I yeah, bet you have some good weather. Oh, no, we don't have any good weather. Not great. Well, you get, uh, it's I nice and cool it. up there, though, I bet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're, look, if you're looking for cool, most of us in Newfoundland are a lot of us. Now, like um, on the island there, do you got any moose? Oh, yes. Oh, I bet that's fun. Yeah, my son-in-law just got one the other day. Oh, okay, so you can hunt them there right in Newfoundland? Yeah, you have to get a license certain times of the year. It's okay. The year. All right. Well, I'm going to come up there. You're in the recreation department? Yes. Okay, I'm going to look you up on there. Maybe we can do a cookout. 
Yeah, no problem. Whenever you come up, just let us know. I'm sure someone will definitely host you for a cool guy. Okay. All right. Well, what was your name again? My name is Bev. Bev, thanks so much for taking time to talk to me. Okay, no problem. Uh, we'll, we'll be uh, sending good thoughts and um, prayers up towards Gander. Thank you so much. Thank All right. You. Okay, bye. Okay. Yeah, bye-bye. Wow. <laughs> what a gem. Just like you'd hope they are, Bev. Yeah. Bev or Beth? Bev. Bev. It's got to be Bev. Yeah. That's definitely what a person in Canada would be named. Okay. Bev. And Gander. I wondered if it, does it also like for you, is there some like. um, Oh, nostalgia? Yeah. Wisconsin stuff? Yeah, Wisconsin stuff. God, fish fries, all that. You betcha. And people, are people kind of like that? You know, it's like, yeah. Although, you know, the Southern hospitality in the U.S. is something, too, I think. Really? Yeah. I think the Midwest is kind. Yeah. I think there's more reluctance in people up there okay. than there is here. Okay. But we're, I think, softer than the East Coast and the West Coast, for sure. Yeah. Man, don't you just want to go to Newfoundland? I do want to go there. It seems cool. Yeah. Um, And there were just a lot of, like... I don't know. The whole story is really meaningful. And the idea of people just like dropping everything to like take care of other people. That's like really cool. Yeah. Bev didn't seem like she wanted me to steal her grill though. She did not. And she didn't exactly invite me to her cookout. No, she did kind of say like, yeah, we'll find someone to host a cookout for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it is. It is pretty funny. Also, I like the story of the two people who fall in love. Oh, that was so funny. And he moves to... Yeah. A Texan. The woman's a Texan. The woman's a Texan. Did you? No, it's on Netflix. So, listeners... I read it's on Apple TV. Okay. It's on Apple TV. I just knew it was on a streaming service. You can get it. Yeah, I I might take a peek. Because me and Kathleen watched it recently. Ugh. Same actors that I saw, or is it different people? I don't know. Good question. Yeah, that is a good question. You know, I knew about it because um, Kathleen's first year in seminary with like sort of not the last of her savings or anything, but the last of her like extra like fun money from her like having a full time job. Mm-hmm. She planned a trip to New York to see her friend, our friend Darrell, and also just to see a couple shows. And she kind of just like stumbled into Come From Away. Oh, wow. Well, it's a good stumble. And so then she was like telling me about it. She was like, you know, she was like going to go see it. She was like, I'm not sure what it's what it is. But then afterwards, she was like, it's so good. You know, it's wild to me. Sorry, change the subject. What? So I used to be so anti-musicals. Yeah. And now I'm two for two and just being absolutely slayed by them. What is the first one? King Kong. Oh, right. That was on Broadway. I forgot about that. But even as an off-Broadway experience. King Kong, yeah. Now, I will say we have tickets to Cats in November. Okay. And that's of very low importance to me. In fact, I have a wedding that day that I'm not going to be able to go and I'm fine. Cats? Yeah. You're not going to be able to go to the wedding or you're not going to be able to go see Cats? No, I'm doing the wedding. I'm not going to be able to go to Cats. Oh, okay. Because I'm doing the wedding, which I'm just like, I'm glad it's that one. I am a little bummed because we also have tickets for Mean Girls. And um, I'm not going to be able to go to that one either because I'll be gone in you July. You should be bummed. Mean Girls the Musical is hysterical. I may try and 
because I'll be flying out of DFW that weekend. Uh-huh. I may just see if I can't get a ticket on the back end of my flight and just go see, pop in and watch one. Yeah, it's so funny, Josh. Lillian's going to get to go with Lindsay to that one, though. Oh, and it's perfect that'll be great. She listens to that soundtrack like a thousand times a day. Really? Yeah. It's a good one. And Lindsay, I think, just bought some Hamilton tickets. Oh. So we're going to go see that. For when it's in Dallas? Yeah. Or Fort Worth? Yeah. That'll be great. Now, you know what another one I really want to see? What? Lion King. Yeah. I bet that's good. Uh, Lion King, I've heard, is in a similar way to King Kong, is like, like the, just very impressive to take in. Right. Yeah, I think I would like it for that reason. Yeah. Well, Taylor, thanks for letting me call Gander. Of course. We should try every week and see how many Canadians we can get to talk to us. <laughs> okay. See if there's a Canadian we don't like. I felt like um, I didn't talk for a while. And yep. then once I didn't talk for a while, I was like, I feel like it'll be weird if I start talking. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't set that up well. No. I didn't want to overwhelm her either. Like, hey, you're live on a podcast. I know. I know. She'll never know. We're not She'll never know. And we don't even know her last name. So. so Bev from Canada, you are the best. You are the best. You know what I would do if she was here in Waco? What? I would invite her to my Jesus ween party on oh, Sunday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Taylor. Yeah. Um, before we go to episode sponsor, I want to see if you have a quiz for me. Oh, I do. I have a quiz for you. I haven't um, looked all the way through it, but here's the quiz. Okay. I'm probably going to get all these right. Probably so, yes. Um, how well do you know these 90s Billboard number one hits? Okay, great. I love this quiz. Okay. Um, Glycerine. Here's the thing. If they're pop, I won't know them. Oh, if they're okay. like alternative, there's a chance. How am I supposed to live without you? How do I live without you? Is that Leanne Rhymes? Well, it's not the... Or is that Celine Dion? How am I supposed to live without you? Oh, that's not that song. Was a number one hit from this singer. There are options. Yeah, I'm going to need options. Uh, Michael Bolton, okay. Rod Stewart, Elton John, George Michael. Ugh. Um, <laughs> just because I can't stand him, I'm going to go with Michael Bolton. Okay, great. You can't stand Michael Bolton? Yeah, he's... Okay. Um, you are right. Look at that. Obviously. <laughs> Next. Michael Jackson didn't care what color you were in this 1991 classic. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. Black or white is an option. Is that what you like yes. to go with? Okay. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. Correct answer. Madonna popularized a dance of the same name. After this 1990 hit. Vogue? That is an option. I guess Vogue. Okay. Yes. Okay, thanks. You had it right. Yeah, this is, well, 90s, I was alive and well. This artist, formerly known as the Fresh Prince, was getting jiggy with it in 1990. Will Smith. Will Smith. Uh, correct answer. Baby One More Time was the debut single for this female artist in 1999. I think it is Britney Spears. It is Britney Spears. Are you impressed that I've got all these? Yeah, I am. I thought some of them would be kind of hard. Boys to Men had a little help from this diva in the 1995 song, One Sweet Day. Okay, now where are my choices? Here, I'll need some some jogging in the memory. Mariah Carey, Madonna, Gloria Estefan, or none of the above. I'm going to say Mariah Carey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was Mariah Carey. Okay. Ice Ice Baby was this rapper's claim to fame in 1990. Vanilla Ice. 
Vanilla Ice. Interestingly, I hopped on David Crowder's um, Instagram the other day uh-huh. to see what he was up to, and he was at the airport with Vanilla, Vanilla Ice for a long time. So Interesting. He's a great guy. Have you ever seen the video where they're like, dun, 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 dun. where he's like, because you know, Under Pressure has that same riff in it. Uh, like, I did not know that. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> okay, it goes dun 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 dun. Dun, dun 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 and there's this video one time of vanilla ice explaining how it's different and he's like it's like this it's like dun 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 there's just like you know dun 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 and he's like and mine is like dun 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 and it's like there is a there is a there is a so he's not the first one somebody else had that yeah okay no not the song it's a completely different you know it's no I know but the beat yeah it's um well this is similar with um Looking down on me. I don't know that song. Okay, I think you do. Oh, maybe I do. Yeah. Okay, well, um, this is also with... Um, that's that Viva... It's off the Viva La Vida album by Coldplay. Yeah. That song, whatever it's called, um, is also a riff on another prior song. There was a little... Oh. Scuffle about it in the courts. A scuffle in the Legal courts. Legal scuffle. Legal scuffle. Oh my goodness! But I want to keep crushing this quiz. Yeah, this hip hop group felt good vibrations with the 1991 chart-topping song. Um, was it the Beach Boys? The Beastie. Oh, good vibrations. Different. Okay. R and B. Uh, music factory. Here are the options. DC music Beastie Boys. No. A Tribe Called Quest. No. Public Enemy. Or Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Oh. Maybe it was. I, for some reason, I feel like it was maybe Marky Mark. Okay. You want to try? Yeah. Or Public Enemy. Oh, it's it. It is. Marky Mark? Marky Mark and okay. the something bunch. Funky Town. I can't. I don't know. This is, this singer's 1991 hit, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Brian Adams next. Was, okay. Brian Adams is the right answer. Everything I do. That was in the Robin Hood movie. Yeah, that was the end of the question that you didn't let me get to. Oh. Right Said Fred was responsible for this one hit wonder that I'm blew up in 1992. Too sexy. I'm too sexy. They're trying to trick us. The answers are, I'm not sexy, I'm a little sexy, <laughs> I'm not sexy at all, and I'm too uh, sexy. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Yes, that's it, nailed it. These two solo artists combined forces in 1992 with their hit song, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Mm. Do you want the choices? Is Cheryl Crow an option? No, no. only men. Okay. Next, what are my choices? Okay. Michael Jackson and Prince. Nope. Michael Bolton and Rod Stewart. Okay. Phil Collins and Elton John. George Michael and Elton John. George Michael Elton John. Okay. Yeah. All right, next. This is very impressive. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, she spent a handful of weeks at number one with her love song, Save the Best for Last. Okay. I need a choice. It's not coming to me. Vanessa Williams. Okay. Alanis Morissette. Okay. Amy Grant or Madonna? I think it's going to be Vanessa Williams. Okay. Amy Grant seems like a strange 
It is Vanessa Williams. Amy Grant seems like a strange addition there. Yeah, well, she was, she got secular with Baby Baby. Yeah. Baby Baby. End of the Road was a wildly popular single from this R&B group in 1992. At the end of the road. Do you know the answer? Do I know it? Yeah. Is it Boys to Men? I think it's Boys to Men, yeah. Okay. And it's on there. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God, Becky, look at her But It is so big. It's the iconic opening line from the 1992. Baby got back. Baby got back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This featured song from the 1992 Disney movie Aladdin was number one on the charts. A whole new world. In 1993. Dazzling place. I never knew. Okay, it was a whole new world. Yeah. Whitney Houston dominated the charts in 1992. <laughs> this song that was also featured in the movie The Bodyguard starring Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Yep. I Will Always Love You is an option, so let's go with it. That's right. That was pretty good. I got it at Whitney Houston. Yeah. He said, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. In his 1993 hit song. I would do any. Yes, that's the right answer. But I won't do that. She definitely felt the power of love in her 1994 number one hit. Okay, choices. Mariah Carey, Celine Dion, Sinead O'Connor, and Lisa Loeb. Mm, I think I might be stumped here. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Lisa Loeb. Okay. No. Okay, who was it? She enjoyed four number one hits in the 90s. Uh, Celine Dion. You know who would have got that? Who? Lindsay Carney. Did she love Celine Dion? Her sister especially did, but yeah, I think she's seen Celine Dion in Vegas even. Ooh, fun. Yeah, speaking of which. I love Celine Dion. Celine Dion can't perform. It delayed her Vegas per- debut because of back spasms. What? Yeah. I read that in the news. All right, keep going. I'm, I'm liking this quiz, and I've only gotten one wrong so far. This pop group hit number one in 1994 with The Sign. With The Sign? I, I saw, saw the sign. sign. Ace of base. And it, yeah. Opened up my eyes. And, and I saw a sign. Never gonna give you up. This, this glasses wearing lead singer was responsible for the song Stay. I missed you. Um, glasses. Let's describe the person again. The glasses wearing lead singer. Do you want the options? Yeah. Gwen Stefani, Sinead O'Connor, Fiona Apple, or Lisa Loeb. I think I know it. I think it's Gwen Stefani. Okay. Don't speak. Don't know what, what. It's not Gwen Stefani. Is it Lisa Loeb? Lisa Loeb, yeah. Okay. I know just what. I'll make love to you. And On Bended Knee were back-to-back number one hits in 1994 for this R&B group. Yeah. One of my choices. Boys to Men. TLC, New Edition, and Joe Dutchie. We already guessed Boys to Men as an answer before, right? Yeah. I'm going to do, um, read them again. Uh, new edition TLC, Joe Deci, Joe Desi, and Boys to Men. I actually just do think it's still Boys to Men, though. I do, too. Boys to Men again. I'll make love to you. Yeah. Okay. 
Ooh, waterfalls was a 1995. Don't go chasing <laughs> waterfalls. <laughs> Number one song from this R&B group that featured all women. Uh, it was either TLC or Salt and Pep. What are my choices? Cut close. No. TLC yep. 702 and En Vogue. Definitely TLC. Um, there's a funny SNL skit. I'll tell you later. Okay. Are you sure? Is it about that song? Yeah. There's an executioner and a guy on death row. He's about to kill him. <laughs> and the Todd Packer plays the executioner from The Office. <laughs> and he starts singing him that song. He's like, don't go chasing them their waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> them their waterfalls. Montel Jordan exploded onto the scene in 1995 with this number one hit. No, oh, I don't know. Have you ever really loved a woman? Kiss from a rose. No, that was seal. You're not alone. And this, or this is how we do it. This is how we do it. I don't know. Do you? Yeah, that's my guess. Oh, this is how we do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. He told us about a gangsta's paradise with his 1995 Coolio. next chart topping rap song. Coolio is an answer, and it was the right one. Bone Thugs and Harmony had one of the most successful number one hits. In 1996 with this song. The crossroads, the bridge, <laughs> the intersection, or none of the above. Crossroads. Crossroads, yes. That is so funny. You meet me at the songs. crossroads. How Do You Want It and California Love both hit number one in 1996 and both featured this rapper. I need a... California love. Dr. Dre, Tupac, Snoop Dogg, or Notorious B.I.G. Tupac Shack Hour. Tupac Shack Hour. Correct answer. Okay. No Diggity was a 1996 number one single from this R&B group. Black Street, Boys to Men, In Vogue, or TLC. No Diggity. You get to be. Do you know the answer? Um, I'm pretty sure it's Black Street. Yeah, do that. Okay. It sounds like a thing a bunch of white guys are right. I was right. <laughs> what? Wannabe was a breakout hit in 1997 for this all-girls pop group from across the pond. If you want to be my lover. Is this the Spice Girls? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sporty, scary, posh. Mbop made a name for this pop band Hansen, in 1997. Nice. Sorry, did you say the answer? Hanson. Yeah. It was like our version of the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. This 1997 number one song featuring Puff Daddy, Faith Evans, and 112 was a tribute to the late Notorious B.I.G. Every breath I take. I'll be missing you. That's it, right? Yeah, that's a, Isn't that a police song or something? Uh, oh. First? I mean, they covered it. Yeah. I had never thought about that. Okay. A tribute to, and yes, it was right. A tribute to the late Princess Diana, Candle in the Wind, was a song by which solo artist? Okay, I don't know this. What are my choices? Really? Yeah. I think it's a thing about like women who were alive in the 90s. It's like obsession with Princess Diana. Okay. The options are Prince, Elton John, Michael Jackson, or Meatloaf. I'm going to guess Elton John. Yeah. Okay. They have the Princess Diana bear. 
my gosh. The Boy Is Mine and The First Night were two number one hits for this solo artist. Monica, Brandy, Lauren Hill, or none of the above. The Boy Is Mine. Lauren Hill. Okay. I don't know. No, Monica. Oh. I think Brandy and Monica were both in The Boy Is Mine. Okay, I got two wrong. It's okay. I Don't Want to Miss a Thing was featured in the movie Armageddon and was the number one hit in 1998 for this legendary rock band. Rolling Stones, Green Day, U2, or Aerosmith. I Don't Want to Miss what? A Thing. I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Oh, Aerosmith. Every time I dream of you. Now that you sang it, it came alive for me. (laughs) Aerosmith. Was that on uh, Armageddon? Yeah, that's what the question said. Oh, sorry. I, didn't. I got this. I was getting a phone call. <laughs> he was living La Vida Loca in 1999. Living La Vida Loca. She knows like that. This is getting long. I know. I think we're almost done because it's gone like from the early 90s and now we're in 1999. Okay. So I think we're almost done. Carlos Santana needed a little help from this Matchbox 20 lead man for his hit song Smooth in 1999. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Can you read me the Stephen Jenkins, Anthony Kiedis, Ben Folds, or Rob Thomas? Rob Thomas. I think so, too. That's right. Correct. Yes. yes. Good job. Oh. Oh, your score. You got a score. Yeah. 91%. I missed two, I think. Yeah. That's pretty good. The average score is 84%. So I'm awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Very engaging quiz. Good. I'm glad. You know what's funny? So when my sister turned 40, she was born in 1979. Uh This is 2019. Uh I made her a playlist of the number one song every year. She'd been alive? Yeah. (gasps) That's so fun. I very, it was like a sharp cutoff. I did not know one, (laughs) number one hit after like 2001. I just stopped knowing. Really? But this, there was a huge shift in music around that time. It's like when Usher and all these people blew up. Okay. This wasn't my vibe. So, That's like when I was in high school. Yeah, I don't know any of that. All night long. That's the thong song that I was just saying. Well, Taylor, you know what time it is? Time for our sponsor! Taylor. Yes, Josh. As we've already mentioned, uh-huh. all good things must come to an end. I know. So today we are uh, both heartened and saddened yeah. to give a shout out to our sponsor, Lula Janes. Yeah. For their great service to Waco for nine years. Yeah. But also to say that you can get one last round of goods from them. Yeah. By going there before Thanksgiving. Because they're going to serve us through Thanksgiving and then yeah. shut it down. So if you've never been. Yeah. Don't miss a chance to get a cookie, pie, or scone, or whatever yeah. from Lula Jane's. That's 406 Elm Avenue in Waco, Texas. That's 406 Elm Avenue. Or give them a call at 254-366-0862. 254-366-0862. And a special thank you to Lula Janes for investing in us right before they close themselves down. Yeah. A lot of people's marketing strategy would not have been to expand right before close down. Not no. them. They're like, get us on the airwaves. Get our name out there. Uh-huh. We want everybody to have a chance before we say goodbye. And yeah. we're grateful they are. So yeah. Your advertising dollars hard at work, Lula Janes. Very, very kind. And we're back. We're so back. Taylor. Yeah. Hey, so uh, appropriate intro for this podcast because we're going to talk about evil. Evil. And how it's personified and understood in our tradition. Yeah. And in ourselves. Yeah. Taylor, do you believe in the devil and demons? What a great question. I don't think I believe in like the devil. 
Do you know what I mean? Like one particular thing. Have you not read Dante's Inferno? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Great point. Um, But I, I do believe in like the presence of evil in the world. Now, when you say you believe in the presence of evil. Yeah. I'm going to immediately ask a question about ontology. Okay. So, um, do you believe that there are malevolent, is that a word, right? Uh-huh. Spirits that embody, personify, and are active in the world. Right. Yeah, so I think this is some of what I was saying. Like, it's certainly not very, like, enlightenment of me. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, um, and it's not, you know, sort of like a scientific understanding. But I do think I've heard enough stories and like enough, uh, you know, have experienced things myself that it's like, I don't, we can't, I don't, I don't seem to have an explanation for why I do think that there are like sort of, you know, I think you said demons earlier, but like, I think there are things like that present in the world. Yeah. What about you? Well, you know, I grew up very much in that tradition. Yeah. Um, where that was definitely a thing. Uh-huh. And um, so I don't, like I've, ev- ev- I don't even want to say evolved, evolved assumes I've come to like a more deeper Higher, reason. right. I have become more skeptical of yes. the frequency with which I was understanding that to be per- pervasive and present in the world. Yeah. I think humans can be pretty awful on our own. Yeah. Um, I think that I bring a humility to it Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure. Yes. I just had a conversation recently with somebody I respect spiritually who told me a story about like her and a prominent pastor in Waco walked into somebody's house and there was a, what we call a deliverance situation Mm -hmm. and this person manifesting like started accusing her and the person with them Uh of things that had happened in their life. And she said there was no way they could have known that. Uh And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, why would I doubt that story? Right. Right. Well, why would that person be lying about that? Yeah. About that. What's the word I'm looking for? Experience. I didn't say their name because I didn't give permission. I think that's reasonable. I don't think they would care, but. I'm not going to. Well, yeah, I still think that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, you said, like, I think humans can be pretty horrible all on our own. And I find especially that the thing, um, that the way people use the devil most often is to kind of, like, justify yeah, bad behavior. It's a scapegoat. Yeah, to say, like, I, well, the devil was, you know, really coming after me or something, like, or the enemy or Satan or whatever. And so, you know, I don't know. Um, it's like many things. I don't know exactly how it works. Um, but it does seem to me that anything that people can kind of just use to avoid accountability needs a lot of um study and thought you know what I mean and to be like kind of um, intentional about it instead of just kind of accepting it wholeheartedly do you know what I mean yeah um, uh, this is a bit of a jump but I think it's related okay so this would be along the lines of the the just the cosmic 
conflict, if you will, good, bad, just extra metaphysical, we'll say. Uh-huh. So uh, Risa and I both grew up in the charismatic tradition uh-huh. where we had experiences being what's called slain in the spirit. Uh-huh. So I just was talking to her. I just like, hey, we're all, we're like 40 now. Right. How do you look back on those moments? Like, did you really fall over under the power of the spirit? Or, and um, she, uh, she and I both like couldn't answer definitively. Right. Uh, she told me a Benny Hinn story that was wild. Really? Like he, she was at a thing, and he like had all the children come up on stage, and like he did that thing where he turned around, and he swung his jacket, and she's just like just all of them. Which here's my thing. Yeah. Like you can have plants and adults, but like children aren't. You know, so then we started talking about just the like psychology of the mind of expectation, right? And like what can happen, and I'm open to all of that. But then like, I was thinking of that line from Harry Potter where Harry's in King's Cross Station talking to Dumbledore, uh-huh. and he says, "Is this all happening in my mind, or and is it said, real?" And he said, "Of course it's happening in your mind, but why does that make it not real?" Yes. Yeah. Um, like I think that is the Western thing is just to locate real experience in a certain medium yeah in, in a certain place and, and empirically verifiable right which we know way too many weird things about the universe scientifically to know that yeah. um, meaning is exclusively in possession of the western enlightened people right so there's that yeah yeah i think that's kind of it's like uh, that's a really important sort of ideal to me is that like, well, and also it's like pretty, I'm trying to think of exactly the word it is. Um, what is it? Not exactly racist, but like when you're just rude to people who are like, or like you think people in other countries are Prejudiced? less than you. Um, there's like a specific word. It is racist. Xenophobic? Though. Yeah. It's kind of xenophobic to think that like, the way that we think about the world is the only way to think about the world, right? Like, um, because there are a whole other, entire other cultures that think about the world very differently and the, like, Western tendency to just say, like, but that's wrong right. is, is very xenophobic and rooted in racism. Yeah. And so I think it's important for me always to remember that it's, like, Uh, Because a lot of those thoughts about like spirits and the devil and stuff like that, they come from at this point in history, right? They come from like other places, except then also like white American evangelicalism. Yeah. Um, So. Well, and um, I'm thinking now. So Dak Shepard had on a guy. He's actually at Texas State in San Marcos. Oh, cool. But he's like, you know, doctor of whatever yeah i can't remember what his specialty but enough whatever dak had him on for halloween okay and he studies like exorcism and rituals from like an academic perspective right uh-huh. and um one of the things he had noted though was like in these kind of cultish and i don't mean like i mean like where cultic practices are taking place right um like uh th- there's similarities in thoughts that people have really and so for me that could cut both ways uh-huh. it could be like is it inevitable that like just this sort of pattern evolves in people's minds as they approach this part of their psyche? Right. Or is it that there's a uniform kind of approach to this because this evil has purpose and intent and right. is personified? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. 
And I do think this is kind of like not different. I mean, this is a different topic than that. Um, mostly because that was like a very smart thing to say. And this is just kind of like, it is part of why I don't in take in content about things like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't know what you mean. Like, I don't really like scary movies. Oh, I don't watch scary movies. And especially the movies about, like, sort of possession and, like, you know, demons and, like, a real sort of malevolent force in the world. I don't I don't like taking that in because it just doesn't seem good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then here's another question I have. Okay. So, have you seen Usual Suspects? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so there's this punchline and I'm not going to give it away. Um, because if I do, it'll ruin the mood for you and you need to see the movie. When? Okay. But this guy is being interviewed by a police officer the whole movie. Yeah. And he says the greatest trick the devil ever played was making people believe that he didn't exist. Yeah. Um, or something like that. It's more eloquent than that. But that's the idea. Uh, yeah, I've heard that thought before. So and like C.S. Lewis... If you've ever read Screw Tape Letters, this is sort of his approach in that book, too, is let's screw up people's lives in a really subtle kind of but thoughtful way as opposed to like, yeah. you know, like Scooby-Doo ghost. Yeah. And um, right. But sort of more like, let's make them narcissists. Let's make them. Da, 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 da. Right. Right. Yeah. And like, so then one day I'm watching this Peter somebody or another. He was the high priest of Satanism. Okay. And he was oh. like getting interviewed on CNN. And he said, you know, like the point of Satanism isn't really about Satan at all. Like he talked about, like we don't believe in Satan. Right. He said it's about the celebration of the self. Uh-huh. But I'm like, that all like kind of coincides. Like to make people believe that you don't exist and to put this human self at the center yeah. of your existence uh-huh. is, I think, turns out to be kind of demonic. And it's like kind of the opposite of Christianity. Well, this, see, okay, this is also an interesting thing because I've told this story um, a few times now, but there were, I lead a group, um, not a group at UBC, but a group at a school here in town. I do know nobody from this group is going to listen to this podcast, but I still want to be careful. Um, so I lead this group, and we are reading... A book by Trevor Hudson. I don't know if that, that's meaningful for you. But we are talking about the sort of this first semester is about, uh, you know, how do I, uh, how do I love God? How do I love other people? How do I love myself? How do I serve God? How do I serve other people? How do I serve myself? Mm-hmm. And the thought that was presented was kind of like, well, the more you know, like, you are created by God. And so the more you know about yourself, you know, some, like, people would just call it self-work, the more you know about, like, um, sort of, like, who God is and who God has created you to be. And um, the more you can sort of live that out or whatever. And I thought it was a pretty basic concept. Like, to me, I was like, that makes sense. We get to know ourselves better. And then we can, like, you know, we know more about ourselves. 
and that frees us up to sort of like really be our truest most authentic self and like present and like then um we can connect more fully with god because we know who we are but every especially the men in the class were like no that's bad and evil what's bad (laughs) to think that like getting to know yourself better might allow you like it was sort of like you're supposed to hate yourself well, that's lingering Puritanism. You think so? Yeah. And then at the very, someone kind of, they were trying to convince me. I was like, this is so confusing. And someone was like, well, it's at least like, it is um, language that is, oh gosh, um, not evocative, but like, like he, I guess he was saying he was kind of like looking for a fight, kind of like that it was language designed to be sort of what's it called to like rile people up you know and i still was like that is so strange do you know what i mean um and it makes me nervous because i obviously i think there's something dangerous about putting the self in the middle you know what i mean of saying like this is the only thing or this is the most important thing but it's, I get nervous when people think that it's like, like there are people I think who are like, that should, no, learning about yourself is bad. Like you should only. Well, but isn't learning about yourself different than centering yourself? Yes. But I do think that that's like the point of this thing was like to learn about yourself and about who God created you to be and like, yada, yada, yada. And I think they read it and heard it as like. That means putting yourself in the center. Mm. And it's like, that's... Yeah, it's like a weird reform thing where we're like sinners and yeah. original sin. and Yeah. Roar's writing about that this week in his emails. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, so... But like, does this... Does it temper... Like, you talked about not watching the movies. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was told... I was coached away from Harry Potter for a season of my life. Well, sure. Um, you know, like, uh, Lindsay had a Ouija board when we first started dating and I got rid of it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, which, you know, some of that stuff I'm still a little like, mm, Yeah. Who knows? Um, but even like Eastern meditation was bad, opening yourself up. Yeah. This is also very interesting. Um, we talked about like a year ago about how I'm like, I am very into like horoscopes right now. You are? Yeah. Really? Yeah, you didn't say anything, but I could tell you were being judgy. Oh, I'd totally be being judgy. Why? Uh, do you think they're helpful? Um, well, are I'm they, just, are I'm they my, reality depicting? At this point, okay. At this point, I'm mostly like in theory into horoscopes. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I like the ideas of them or whatever. Now, this is like the Pisces Leo stuff. Yeah. And for me, it's like the weatherman. Like somebody gets up and looks at the clouds and tells you what's going to happen in your future. What is it? Yeah. Well, uh, it also tells you about yourself. Okay. Um, but also, here's here's my rationale right now. Okay. It, it's like a, a reading of the stars, right? Okay. And well, that's what it is, stars. And like part of what we believe uh-huh. is that God has created everything in the universe. Uh-huh. And so is there not a chance 
the the stars tell us something about ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I just think insofar as there's like this collective, ongoing sense of human wisdom and database that we're tapping into, even subconsciously. Mm-hmm. But and I, I'm aware of some people to say the enneagram's a horoscope. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I maybe it's maybe it is the stigma of I grew up and the horoscopes were part of things that were demonic. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was just like they were like in the back of like Cosmo, Teen, teen Cosmo or whatever. Uh-huh. And they were like, they seemed just so unhelpful. Um, and also, I think I was also like being told like, yeah, this is like demonic or whatever. Really? And, yeah. By Marty? No. I, was say, I don't think Marty strikes me as a horoscope demonic person. No, I don't know that she much cares about it, but... Um, well, um, yeah, I I was definitely coached away from them. Now yeah. I think of them as sort of innocuous. But yeah. Sort of funny. But I, again, people feel that way about the Enneagram, so maybe... I'm, I'm friends with several UBCers on CoStar, which is like a horoscope app. Also, it's they send you every day a text, uh-huh. and it's very much like the Enneagram website emails. Because sometimes it's like so mean. So this is interesting. Okay. Um, I was talking to Risa about the, this is actually the same conversation about being slain in the spirit. Uh-huh. And we were talking about the power of the mind to create realities. Yes. So she names some effect. It's like a scientific term. But like the, the point being like if this is her word, so I don't know that I'm getting the thing right. But she said like if every cell in your body believes something to be true, your mm-hmm. body will behave accordingly the example she gave was i don't know if it's documented i don't know if it, but it was this person who was terrified about leaving their house mm-hmm. that something bad was gonna happen yeah a lot of people have that very very deep and like they walked outside and like their feet buckled like they broke the bones broke um and it was like yeah. their their mind had so convinced them that something, something bad, bad was gonna, gonna happen, happen that their body did something bad yeah and it's like well if the if the body can really respond to thought on that on a molecular level like that and cause real tangible and I'm like well sure evil could be a force in the world then yeah uh, but then if if it is the power of the mind that way uh-huh. then I'm like for a way different reason be very careful about what you ingest in like scary movies right. and stuff because you're like buying into narratives that your body is literally ingesting and and storing and potentially using yeah I don't know yeah um, also, this is science. So Mary Roach okay. writes books like... Um, this is science. Uh, I don't know. She's got one on the digestive system. She's got like... Mm-hmm. She writes about the body a lot. Yeah. There's like a, a experiment somebody did, like a cheek swab or your cells. And I don't know how scientists do that. But they would have them watch movies. Uh-huh. And um, like the cells from their body, there would be a correspondence in their activity like their own like body response to these movies like horror films and stuff that's crazy and no this is what's crazy oh it worked up to like separating the cells like up to like 50 miles apart what isn't that wild i'm gonna like, find this story they would do a cheek swab and then like the take... cells would correspond in response up to like 50 miles away from the body that is insane yes mary roach i'll look this up i'm gonna google while Oh my gosh. 
ah, that is so crazy. And then, yeah, it just makes me think about like how important, or not important. Spook, 2005 was the book. But like meaningful bodies are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we talked some about being embodied and the importance of how we think about our bodies theologically. And that is insane. Yeah. It's also interesting to think about what is, like, what is our essential selves? Like when the body's shutting down and dying. Yeah. Like hearing is one of the last things to go. Really? Yeah. And so it's like, are the, is the person still alive up to that point? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are they cognitively able to take the world in? What qualifies them to be alive? Right. Heart or like the, the blood pumping through the body, right. neuroactivity. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of got in the weeds here. We did. But um, good topic. And um, we'll see what listeners think. Yeah. So. so well, and do you think there's any, like, last question. Okay. Do you think there's any, like, chance or reality that, like, there is a certain, you know, whatever, Halloween, All, Hall- All Hallows' Eve, that there is a night when, like, those forces are more strongly at work? Um, that one, I'm going to, like, I'm very fine saying is a holiday um, that's a cultural invention. Okay. I could say, though, that, like, in the same way that everything seems to respond to energy, mm-hmm. that that energy finds that day to be an occasion because of the receptiveness of people. Yeah. In a, yeah, that's my opinion on that. Interesting. Like people are motivated to create like 9-11, right? They pick that day because of 911. Yeah. Right. So that provided an occasion for a narrative and that energy. Well, and it's kind of like what, you know, what you were talking to Risa about. Like if somebody's really expecting something. Yeah. Then. That can happen. So be careful on Halloween. Yeah. We make our kids go trick-or-treating early, and then we put them away in the house safely. Really? Well, just on the street. I mean, it doesn't have to be menacing, and it's dangerous. It's just right. 3,000 kids, a lot of teenagers who right. are not thinking and don't have their frontal lobes formed. and don't. They don't. So. Yeah, so it's like, get back here. Yeah. What time do you send them trick-or-treating? When there's light outs to like 5, 5.30. Okay. And it doesn't take long. Yeah. How long is the stretch of... They shut down like 20th through 25th. Oh. So you think five blocks, four houses a block. There's 40 houses in that stretch, but like... Yikes. That's a lot. Not all of everybody participates. Oh, really? No. Oh. Some people have their doors shut. I feel like the peer pressure would be way too large for me. Oh, it's it's intense. (laughs) Yeah. You have to like... If you're not going to do it, you have to have the lights off and you kind of peer through the blinds we even feel bad once we run out of candy yeah like we don't have any more yeah there's still thousands of kids here i have wow that's so crazy okay um well yeah all right well friends thanks for tuning in for another edition Sorry, I got a little long-winded this week, but you're champions for the Lord. champions thanks to bev from canada thanks gander canada thanks so much to bev all right Bye. Bye.